podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Raw, The Fight Within, a brand new podcast series hosted by me, Coogan Cassius. Over the course of the series, I'll be sitting down with some of the most high-profile figures from the world of boxing, including fighters, trainers and promoters, in order to dig a little deeper and understand their own personal stories. This podcast is about much more than simply what happens inside the ring. It's about the journey, the sacrifices, the agony, the ecstasy, the highs, the lows, the tears and the fears. It's about getting to know the person. Thank you for tuning in and I really hope you enjoy it. If you do, be sure to like, comment and subscribe. This podcast is suitable for over 18s only as it may contain adult content and explicit language. So this week I'm absolutely delighted to be joined on Raw the Fight Within with a long-term friend, Mr. Callis Sowland. Thank you. You were quite cheap to get on this podcast, to be fair. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I like the concept. I like the idea. I'm very excited to hear the questions. Um, I'm expecting great things in the next hour. As we always do, Colour. Can I change my voice to a podcast voice there? I've been, you know, yeah, a bit of a telephone voice. Yeah. Is that your telephone That's voice? My, yeah. telephone, my very calm voice. My podcast voice. Love it, love it. Okay, let's ease you in gently. Uh, excuse the pun. But um, what do you remember as your, your first ever memory of boxing? Just growing up, obviously you come from a huge... Uh, boxing family background but what do you remember as your kind of early memory of the sport you know um there's that expression you're born into something you're born into this you're born into that and and with me it was it was from day one I think actually my dad promoted his first fight in Africa in the year I was born in Zambia was his first event uh, together with Mickey Duff, the, the famous British promoter at the time. Um, and I just remember a very young age um, being surrounded with, 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 with people who were from the boxing industry. So, I don't know, sort of five-year mark, first pictures of birthdays, um, John McGarby. Um, John the Beast Mugabe obviously went on to fight Marvin Hagler and become a world champion as well. Um, but there were others, you know, <coughs> Sharm Shitturudi, um, Jasanda Mutti. Um, so my dad had, you know, a lot of people see him as a, as a German promoter, um, but he actually started as an African promoter. He was Ugandans, Zambians, uh, Kenyans, um, and he he took them all over to Europe. Um, a lot of them trained um, in 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 London. Uh, my dad was very close with George Francis, who was obviously Frank Bruno's trainer. Fantastic trainer, fantastic human, great family as well out of Camden Town, where I spent a lot of my my uh, my youth um, later. Uh, but we're now at the five year mark. Um, so yeah, it was it was you know sort of my babysitters were boxers and, and future world champions and it was so it was all that sort of thing um it was school holidays were based around boxing so you know it was you know we'd go on I remember one very special one was I was about must be about 12 13 and my dad's gone we're going to this Easter we're going 
to Florida. So 12, 13 years old, you're obviously thinking theme parks, you're thinking, uh, you know, shopping, um, you know, new trainers, whatever it is a 13 year old thinks about. But I got shipped off to Tampa <laughs> for the for the East holidays. And it was John Mugabe's fight camp. Um, so we stayed in a, in a, yeah, it was, it was sort of a, a bit of a motel feel to it. And it was, you know, all the boxing guys around there. Mickey was out there. Mickey Duff was out there as well. Um, I think George Francis was there. But it was, you know, we, we grew up with all these boxing faces. You know, Sunday lunches would be boxing people. Um, and, so, you know, summer jobs, boxing gyms early earlier on so 14 15 would be a boxing gym in the summer uh i remember going a lot to st pancras gym uh, i remember um you know spending time in my my dad's promotional company at the time which was really starting to have a lot of success in 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 germany at that stage the likes of henry masker axel schultz um so yeah, where where does it start? It started from my first memories, really. It, you know, it's uh, it, and it to a certain degree. In certain cases, it it, it took over. You know, it was it was like, a, you know, it was overfed. You know, I I had on my walls, Ko magazine back in the day. That was the one. It was you know. It was wasn't the time when you obviously internet, but you wouldn't even get the magazines till. So you get your your January edition. I get in, you know, March if I was lucky. Um, I remember the news agent uh, in Belsize Park um, as as a, as a teenager. Well, no, as an eleven, twelve year old actually. And my wall would be, you know, all these champions on the wall. I remember Marvin Hagler sort of sticks out. Um, as as a as a big influence, probably because he beat our guy John Mugabe in a, in a great fight. But um, you know, it was it was overfed to the point when I was about fourteen, I sort of rebelled against it, and um, I looked at it like, you know, it was just there, but I didn't really have much emotion for it because it was just something that was there like something you'd have a bedside table it's just there isn't it you know um boxing was just there in my life and I started then I did, at that stage I, I started getting more and more into football football was taken over because I had serious passion for watching football I loved Tottenham uh, also again came via boxing connection that was Denny Mancini who took me to my first boxing matches Denny Mancini one of the most famous corner men of all time, um, Ricky Hatton's corner, um, and many, many other world champions corners, ran the Lonsdale shop. And he, he took me to Tottenham and I sort of, I didn't fall out of love with boxing, but it just sort of was there in the background. It was there anyways, you know, I couldn't get out of going to shows and whatever, but, but my love was, was more Tottenham then. Do you remember the first fight you specifically went to? whether it was amateur, professional, whatever it was, do you remember the first ever fight that you attended? Absolutely, absolutely. No, 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 that, 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 that uh, was Atlantic City. I must have been about eight or nine. Um, and I had this argument with my dad recently what year it was, because he said, no, son, I wouldn't take you to the boxing so young. And I said, no, no, dad, trust me, it was that age, because uh, uh, it weren't later. Um, it was about eight or nine, and it was Atlantic City. I can't remember 
the card it was. I just remember going there and watching these two guys fighting. And, and I don't, can't remember like there being more than one fight. I just remember sort of this scene of action and and screaming and you know and you know in America you had a lot actually a lot of females in the crowd. And they were very vocal, so you had these sort of screaming women in the back. That that was my first sort of first experience with boxing yeah live boxing but I'd, I'd seen it in the gyms before that so i remember like even in our our house in the in the english country so my dad had built a gym where all the fighters could come and train and they used to spar there and you know we used to go out in the garages it was like a house with lots lots of garages and that was turned into a gym and and we'd watch the the guys spar in there you know as, as a as a very small kid you know so, I mean, growing up, who was the, the first fighter that kind of clicked in your brain? I, mean, I always I keep saying this, this is always repetitive for me, but for me, the person that is Prince Nassim Hamid, the person that I started watching that made me f fall in love with boxing, the first fighter I took note. Who was it for you growing up, that first kind of hero of boxing um, as a, a young man or a child? Well, it was John the Beast Mugabe because that was the, the beast, you know. He was, you know, my dad was saying, you know, as his promoter was saying, this is the you know, best thing since sliced bread. And, you know, we were eating that sliced bread, so we had to eat it. Um, I, think, I think outside of that, though, it would have been, um, it would have been in the later not late, well, I'm an old man later, but when I was 13, 14, would have been probably um, the Eubank Ben era because it was on it was on free, free to air television and, and senior. I remember his ring walks. That was probably the one that stood out for me a lot. I mean, you know, the other in that the other people in that generation, Nigel Ben, Michael Watson, Steve Collins, uh, you know. And the list goes on and on, but the, but the the the, the ring walk of, of senior that stood out for me a lot as a as a kid. I remember the simply the best, and I think me and my brother used to sort of mimic it afterwards with the the hands going on top of each other and and and, and then him flipping over the top rope and you know him standing there. Normally it was booze back then at the beginning of his career, um, and it was it was I just remember that very much. That stuck out. I think Naz. Absolutely, it was a bit later for me. Um, but, but the ring walks of Naz, of course. Um, and I, I think as an athlete, I think Hagler was the one who scared me the most, you know, and I think that's why I used to love him. Um, he reminded me always of the bad guy in a movie. You know, Hagler was just this mean dude. And years later, my dad got very friendly with him, and, and years later, I met him. And I remember just meeting him, I was late 20s. And I met him for the first time, like properly, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Hagler!" Like, like it was like, it was sort of half starstruck as a kid, you know, going back, reliving those years as a kid watching Hagler. But it was at the same time fear because he just still did the same thing to me as he did as a kid when I was twenty-something years old. He had that something about him that you know it, it stuck, and uh, Hagler. Absolutely, what an imposing figure inside and outside the ring. A great, great human. Okay, um, this next one, I don't know if you've seen a lot of fighters on, on this podcast talk about their kind of tag team in boxing that they would pick. Um, so just let me simplify it. I've made this up. 
as I'm going along all the way through these weeks. But um, if you could think of yourself in a tag team situation in, in the boxing ring, right? Yeah. So it's you and four other people. They don't, have, they don't have to be boxers. They can be from any combat sport. Some people have picked, I think Amir Khan the other day picked the Incredible Hulk. Okay. Or some people have picked Bruce Lee. Some people have picked Kimbo Slice. Like, there's loads of, like, there's no rules I'm to not, it. I'm not too good on superheroes. Okay. So but if you were to pick a, a, a Kalasalan boxing ring team, yeah. Who goes alongside Callis what, Allen? What's my job to, to knock the opposition out? Or? Yeah. So yeah. imagine okay. like, so, say it's you one on one. You can tag in who you want. Right. That kind of okay, so wrestling esque. Immediately when you've said it like that, I've got things that flash up. Schwarzenegger. So Arnold Schwarzenegger with uh, Commando. Do you remember that Commando yeah. film? That's that, that just you know him with that knife and everything. Else. I mean, I mean, knives obviously these days have a different connotation, but I can say it from back in the day. In that film, he was just badass, wasn't he? You know, it's just got to be Schwarzenegger. Then, in the boxing ring, yeah, you'd have yeah, Schwarzenegger. Yeah, absolutely. Oh. Like dressed as well, like right. in that commando look. Yeah. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go a little bit in the same way. I'm gonna go Stallone, but not as Rocky. I'm gonna have him as Rambo. Rambo. <laughs> yeah. Just Rambo popped up there. Um, can we open some brains now? I just said Donald Trump pop up. Um, so I don't know. I'm gonna think, I've got to have a like an internet. I'm gonna go Ultimate Warrior because I was I was a I was a bit of a WWF WWE these days, but WWF back in the day fan. Ultimate Warrior was my boy. Um, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Bruce Lee. Okay. Yeah. So I'll stick clear of the boxers. I think that's a pretty savage lineup. Listening to some of the other. Uh, people's street, um, sorry, boxing teams. First of all, I would say that your team would get slaughtered in a boxing ring because all they can do is use their hands. It's proper boxing well, rules. I thought they come in with. I thought no, no, with a gun. no, 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 <laughs> no, 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 weirdo, no, no, no. All right, but you can't listen. You've picked your no, team now. You got, no, you got. I, a reckon, stick I reckon. I reckon we're good. Ultimate warrior. He'd shake the ring. You, and the, you the think oh, the ultimate warrior could stand there with like a Mayweather and start? Mixing it. I think he'd pick him up and, you know, slam dunk. You can't do that. It's boxing rules. Ah, okay, right. I'll go off screen. No, you've seen your team now. I'll I'll give you you one. But we get a good good training camp then. So I can pick an all-rounder. I'm going to go... I've got Mike Tyson on there. Yeah. Right, so who are you taking out then? Fear. Because you've already picked four. Bruce Lee out. We're going with the big boys here. So they're all heavyweights. I mean, they're all big lads. Um, yeah, no, I'm okay. thinking, I think we're good to go. Okay. okay, so the other side to this is a street team. Okay. Street rules. We're not endorsing violence, obviously, on the Raw the Fight Within podcast. It's a fantasy question, but street rules now. Yeah. So I think it was Fabio Waldi picked Kimbo Slice for the street team. So it's okay. a different type of mentality, but you've already picked a few of those people that yeah. you probably would have been better. Now I'm going to pick the boxers. Um, <laughs> You know, so maybe we need to swap these over, but uh, I'm going to go Canelo because I can just make that Mexican yeah. sort of street vibe about him, you know. Uh, I'm going to stay in Mexico. I'm going to go with one of my favourites, and this man I would love to have by me on a street fight is Barrera. Barrera, uh, babyface Barrera. Um, then I'm going to go... 
I mean, anyone, unless they're stupid, is going to have to pick Tyson. But I picked him for my A squad, so I can't pick him for my B squad. So I can't pick Tyson. Who else is absolutely scary? Just thinking. I said that, the second I said that, I was thinking Philip Hergovic. I was just thinking of Philip Hergovic. <laughs> that is one of the current boxers that I, I I wouldn't like to face in a street fight. And then I'm going to pick an old boxer of ours from back in the day. Is Valuev simply because on the street you see him, yeah. and I tell you you're running. And I got one more now. No, I think you've got, done. Got you've Canelo, done Canelo, Hergovic, Valuev. Three Barrera. and Barrera, yeah, okay. of course. Yeah, that's a nice mix. You've got some speed in there with Barrera, you've got some fear with Valuev, beast from the east, and then you've got you know, you've got Canelo who can definitely mix and match it on the street. I'm sure about that, absolutely sure. But and then, uh, yeah, and then you've got you know, Hergovic just you know, standing there in the shadows in case something fails. <laughs> comes out no yeah so yeah i feel i feel i'm good okay i think we're good on a run okay all right well that's that out of the way anyway so okay interesting street teams probably the most interesting ones as you probably got on back to front but anyway <laughs> anyway if you weren't in and this is difficult for you to answer because obviously your family's been uh, embroiled into boxing for many generations and decades but if you weren't if you callus Allen, wasn't in boxing, what do you think you would be doing? I mean, I come, I, I worked a number of years also in the football industry. So, am I saying the sports industry? So, there's no specifically boxing. I think because I'd probably be, I'd probably still be in the sports industry. Um, but I need something that I've got passion for because there are sports don't work. People who think that sports work just because it sounds cool and whatever. You need the passion. Um, yeah, I'd probably go football. I'd probably be in football. I, I will have to then counter that and just say if we were to take, take sports this. out. Um, I, no, that's an easy one. Yeah, no, I just thought about it there. So my dream as a kid, which I really tried hard at, like I tried everything. I tried every way of doing it, but, it, you know, unfortunately about 16, I had to give it up, was I wanted to be a rock star. So... I would have to be a rock what? star. What? Sorry. No, I thought you said you wanted to be a rock star. No, Are you trolling this podcast no, now? No, no, what? I'm telling you. Oh. That was my dream as a kid. My mum showed me recently, there was, a, there was I must have been at like eight or nine years old, and you, know, you write down what you want to be, and people write an astronaut, I want to be a fireman, policeman, doctor, and I wrote, I want to be a rock star. And, <laughs> and that was, that was yeah. And I, I, I liked my rock when I was a kid. Um and yeah, still do today. So I would, uh, I would, I would, be, I, I'd be trying to do that. And if I wouldn't do that, I, I'd hope I would be in the in the promotional side of music. Failing that, I'll be a roadie. Uh, I'm not setting up any age right. I think the roadie lifestyle is very cool. You know, different city, different day. Um, rock and roll on tour. You know, uh, that's pretty cool. You know, so that's 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 yeah be a roadie I, I don't know why I'm sounding so surprised because that actually makes perfect sense for your bit of a warped and like that kind of personality you've got not warped that's probably the wrong word yeah. slightly accurate but um, I think that actually explains a lot that I, I, yeah. you know I, I think that the people that you know I've seen I, I'm, you know when I'm bored on a 
Saturday night. I know everyone thinks I'm out clubbing and doing this, that, and the other. But actually, often I'm just sitting on the couch, and and that's when I'll I'll occasionally look at like comments, and you know, I've I've looked always. You know, I've tried it. You know, I was very late into social media. You know, Eddie was very much the leader on that. Was, in fact, it was my brother who set up our Twitter account, um, and then I sort of started it, did, you know, tweeting on it. And I think people liked it because they could tell it wasn't and someone else writing it because it, it was very clear it was me. Who had no clue what he was doing, just putting things out there when he had a drink, <laughs> and, and and you know, I I think that. Um, people, um, they 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 think you know this this persona of of the guy who parties hard works. Obviously, I guess I would work relatively hard to to achieve some of the things that I've, I've been grateful enough to be able to do. But ultimately, um, you know, it's you know, there's there's ones they pull up, oh, what accents he got? Isn't he German? Isn't he this? Isn't he that? And, and I'm always thinking, wait, I don't really have that sort of identity. You know, I'm not I'm not trying to be someone. I'm just me, you know? And, and yeah, it's, people think he's fucking weird. He's this, that, and the other. Some love you, some hate you. They don't really care. Um, but you know what? It's like, it's the way I, I like, I've got a, I've got a, a, a mum who's, who's British with, with, uh, with Swedish uh, roots. I've got an, a dad who's German, but left Germany when he was 20. Um, I've um, I've lived in a lot of different places. I was raised in the UK, uh, in, 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 in North London. So that's, I guess, my bread side. But I don't really have anything that I cling to as an identity, so people probably just that part you got to get your head round first before you start judging. Do you remember the first ever like serious argument or fight you ever got into? Like, there's always one moment, I suppose, probably when you were growing up, there was whether it was a some, an altercation, whether it was physical or verbal, that kind of just stays in your brain as like your first one or one that you remember. As a kid, um, I don't think I got a... a Younger brother, only two years, but we used to fight a lot. Um, I mean, like brothers fight, but we were pretty serious about it. We'd sort of smash chunks out of each other. We both got a nice few scars about us today. That was, you know, from very early age. Um, I remember we were seven or eight, and I put him over a fireplace with a poker. And, uh, <laughs> and he's still got the scar now. And then he done me with something over the back of the head, and we, we would proper fight with like tools when we were kids um and you know i remember one at standout moment so yeah let's say a fight that i remember as a kid was we were uh, we were with my with my dad so my parents separated um around the age of 11 12 <clears throat> so it was about that time and by the way my brother and me we love each other above anything it's not even love it's, it goes beyond that it's just like you know we argue we do this but at the end of the day it's just it's, it's not love it's just brother you know so it's, it goes beyond that so but <laughs> but so we 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 hey my dad had a gym downstairs and he had his mates over so we thought right 
we're going to put up a boxing ring which we did with with some with some ropes not boxing ropes but just ropes that we found actually string to be precise made made the ring we're creative and sort of making some fake tickets stole some bubbly out the fridge and and went upstairs to the adults and sold them tickets for this boxing thing that was going to take place downstairs which was my brother versus me so anyway we sold the tickets adults had come downstairs we served them their champagne and we said right wait we're putting our walk-in music my brother and me i can't remember what that was at the time something very cheesy rock i'm sure um and my brother and me standing in the corners come out it's a small ring obviously we didn't have that much space which we created in this makeshift ring and my a friend of my dad's was was sort of the ref <laughs> and they were all sitting there expecting you know to see a little bit of a boxer side session going on so i've walked over and pinged my brother put him down Walked back into my corner. I was a couple of years older, so I, I understood you had to go back to your corner already. He's jumped up and given me a right hook. But while I'm walking back for a corner, never turn your back on a man. This is the lesson. He's clocked me from right round the side, pinged my braces. I had braces in at the time. And the brace has gone straight through my cheek. <laughs> Come out the other side. So there's claret flying everywhere. And uh, let's put this one to the guests, <laughs> the, the big audience, uh, shocked. And um, yeah, I still owe my brother one for that. That's that's my first memory of a fight. Yeah, I'd say that's probably the best one, Coop. Well, I definitely weren't expecting that whatsoever. <laughs> um, maybe we can reminisce over this at some point this week. Um Tell me about a time that you felt as though you were fighting a losing battle. Um, I guess, I, I guess, as, as an eleven, twelve-year-old again, when my parents split up, you know, uh, um, it's the battle that you can't win as a kid, um, and it's something that <clears throat> you know shaped me a lot at the time because I had a younger brother who I sort of felt like I was looking after um, you know and he, that was the losing I, I was losing battle obviously you know, I wanted my parents to stay together and they and they didn't you know so it was it was a very tough time I remember that um, that's a losing battle that I don't believe I don't believe in losing battles anymore I believe now you 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 take it another day, you know? So I don't believe in losing, I believe in learning. But it comes out of, I think a lot comes out of that tough time as a kid, you know, and it was a tough time. Do you ever think about, think about not something you specifically think about, but if that situation hadn't happened, how that would have shaped your whole kind of, not your even your career, but just your life in general. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I actually do. Um, I actually have, and, and often I think like, 
you know, we all have strengths and weaknesses. And I'm not going to give all my strengths that I think are my strengths here, and I'm not going to tell you my weaknesses either. But, but it, it certainly provided me with um, a lot of fight around that around that age. And actually, <clears throat> I used to then, I, I was, I had a lot of fights actually, street fights, whatever. And you know, I'm not saying it came directly out of that phase of my life, but I was I was an aggro kid for a while, and I think that had my had my uh, my let's say my 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 parents not split up, I hadn't lost that battle, felt like losing that battle, I probably would have been um, you know much more stable in a way, but I don't think I would have the fight that I do sometimes now, which I need to have, in certain, especially in boxing, especially in certain situations when everything's against you and you, you've got to try and pull one out of the bag. Um, I've been there a lot of times. As I said before, I've never, I've never lost, but I've had, to see, I've had to see the battle into another day um, and sort of you know, said, all right, well, try it another way. Um, we don't lose, but we just try it another way. But I think that the 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 fight, in that sense, comes a lot out of that part, you know. And had I had it easier at that age, probably wouldn't have. No, I'm pretty sure about that actually. And it's something that I've reflected on a lot in, uh, in my life. Yeah. As as people, we always believe strongly about certain causes in life. Um, a lot of people believe in, or feel strongly, should I say, not believe in, but feel strongly about things like mental health and, and depression. And they kind of fight for them because either someone they've been affected by, they know, or they've gone through the process themselves. But for you, in life, what causes do you believe are, are, are worth fighting for that has kind of relevance to you? Um, I think that we, you know, I'm 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 blessed as a as a dad of uh, of, of children, and, and and my 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 son's fourteen. I have a stepson; he's twenty one. I've got a daughter; she's turning two, and I'm blessed with that, and I'm blessed with with that in my life. And I I think that if you look at around a lot of things um that are worth fighting for is is to you know to give them a future yeah in a, in a world and and um i do believe that there's certain things that you know governments could be doing in terms of education for kids which they're not doing um they're not spending the money on um you know, it's all very well and good uh, for people who can afford super schools and stuff like that. And I think we come a long way. If I look back when I was a kid, um, there was a big gap between schools. And I think they've they've smoothed that out to a certain degree. But I've also I've also lived in other countries where you know their systems are, are different. Like uh, my, as I said, we've got family in Sweden. You know, you go in a village in Sweden. Um, you go to town in Sweden. Uh, they've got, you know, they've got, they've got a tennis court for every resident in the village. Now I'm ex exaggerating now a bit, but you see that how much they're trying to get kids into sport. They're trying to 
get them out um, into an environment. And by the way, you know, people think Sweden is still, you know, something out of a out of a, out of a fairy tale book. You know, Sweden's Sweden's got some of the highest problems with gangs in in Europe. You know, so there's some very tough, tough parts of Sweden. But if you look at the way they're trying to deal with with children and, and, and creating an environment. An environment, of course, is school, but it's also sport. Um, you know, I remember, I quite like tennis as a kid, and we used to go down uh, down a park around Golders Green, Golders Hill Park. I remember it was it was brilliant. You know, it was like 60p to rent the court and everything. But, but the courts were like, you know, there weren't really tennis courts. I mean, they were like, like they'd been hit by bombs out of uh, out of the Gulf War. Um, it was like it was, and then I would go see my my grandparents in Sweden and see like these these the, the different way the facilities were for kids, and the way the environments are for for children. I think that you know it's a it's a corny phrase to say they're our future, but they are our future. You know and. You know, the, the, the legacy I will leave behind, it won't be boxing, it'll be my kids. Um, and I want them and their kids to live in a, in a world where, you know, everyone has a, has a chance, you know. I think that that's something that I feel very strongly about. I wasn't expecting that answer, but I kind of, yeah, I see where you're coming from. And I think some of that relates to, again, your, your life. The tennis court's a mad example, but it's just one that's spun out there because... You know, it is, a, it is about what, what can, you know, I've got a teenage son. To try and get him off the PlayStation or the phone and, and parents, I'm sure, can relate to this, is it's a challenge. You know, I've, I've gone to the lengths of taking him up a mountain. <laughs> here we are, son, there's no signal here, pal. Um, what are we going to do next, you know? Um, and and we've had adventures like that. And I think it is, it's about you know, trying things like that. But not everyone's fortunate enough to be able to take their kid up a mountain. So how can we better, the, you know, the, the, the environments for kids? And everyone says straight away schools, and I'm totally for that. But I also feel that, that it's, it's, it's more than just schools. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole environment the kid grows up in. And I think sport is so important. And, and now I'm bringing my little sales pitch on boxing is is you know what we did programs in in especially in Berlin in the city of Berlin, taking um, you know, kids out of gangs off streets and and put them into programs and actually a couple of them turned pro. Unfortunately, we didn't have too much success. Um, and we did you know we supported Stonebridge Boxing Club, um, you know around where we grew up and for many for many years and it was it was a fantastic system. Um, that we're going out, you know, it's, it's tough to, to think, you, we never address it as a business, but people think, oh, well, you know, you go into a rough area, start a boxing club and, you know, get some world champions out of it. It's not quite like that, you know. It, is, it was a, a passion project like the one in Berlin was as well. Um, did we see the dividends in world champions? No, not yet, no. Well, it took a lot of on. kids off the street. And you go in those gyms and you see hey, we've got an activity, you know, simple as that, you know, an activity. And and that is something I think, you know, London, the UK, Manchester has improved, but there's, there's, uh, there's a way to go. 
what would you say are the the everyday battles in your life that you have to fight? Um, <laughs> you said we didn't do an hour podcast. This could be end up in a day. Um, I, it, it's the balance to find the balance between what I do, what we do in the industry uh, of boxing, um, and most importantly, what I do with my family. And um, you know, I've got, a, I've got, you know, I've got a fight always against that. That up, you know, I was actually funny enough. I was explaining to my son the other day. Um, he goes, "Would you like to?" You know, this is this is not the podcast. This is this is true. It's not something that I've just dreamt up here. I think it was literally within the last forty-eight, seventy-two hours. And he's gone to me. He said, "Would you like me to be uh, doing what you do when uh, when when you grow up, uh, or when I grow up?" And I said. Uh, so you do, you know, you do what your passion takes you to do. He said, "Well, what, 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 what is it that you need? In, what do you do in boxing? Like, how do you become good at it?" And I said, "Well, something sort of takes over. So you've got to have the passion for it, and you know." And I explained it by example. I missed his first birthday. I was promoting Andre Ward versus Arthur Abraham in Los Angeles on his first birthday. We didn't tell him it was his birthday, obviously, and we did it a couple of days later. But those are the sort of things that happen. I remember like, lots of times going away for a weekend, planned weekend, and <laughs> checking into a hotel. I remember once, yeah. Checking into a hotel was on Formentera, lovely island off Ibiza, like, you know, absolute spiritual place. You know, <laughs> you know phones not welcome sort of place. And it, I'm... At check-in, handing over the credit card and the phone's gone and I've seen Uli Wegner and that was the, the trainer at the time in Germany and he was training Marco Hook, uh, former Cruiserweight World Champion. This is on the Friday, the break is Friday to Sunday so this is already a big break for me, you know, a couple of days off. Supposed to throw the phone away and, and in that moment he's, he's told me, no, we've got a big problem. He's flipped out in training, he's disappeared and we've had a big argument, and we've got a show in eight days' time on German national TV with him. Um, and I think HBO were covering it at the time as well. Uh, big event. <laughs> and, and I'm just going, oh, my God, right, okay. That's the weekend written off. And I spent that whole weekend in, in a room. And, you know, it was like the, 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 the people I was there with, they were, you know, they didn't see me again. I mean, I, I popped in for for lunches and dinners, but literally left after sort of making a, an alibi thing because I was trying to negotiate with TV, pushing it back, talking to talking to the boxer who at that stage had, let me put it this way, wasn't in a condition to participate anymore in the fight because of some things that he'd done um, in the 24 hours between having the row and 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 and, and me discovering it. And we were sitting there, I was just sitting there, like, negotiating with TV, trying to calm the fighter down. He's gone off on a mad one. And I've got the, 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 the trainer is flipping out, so he's never going to train him again. I've got to bring them together. And I'm sitting on, a, on an island somewhere, yeah? Um, the fact that it was supposed to be a, a weekend and whatever, it was irrelevant because boxing doesn't pay respect to the nine-to-five rule. In fact, it doesn't even pay respect to the, you can work 24 hours a day, 300 and 
45 days of the year, but you get 20 days off. That'd be all right for me. But it doesn't even do that. It's, it is any time of day and night. Um, I remember you know, being on a very tropical island with a lovely lady, um, fantastic hotel, <laughs> laying in bed, um, three, four in the morning, phone sort of vibrating in the bed. It wasn't someone else vibrating in the bed, it was the phone. Um, and and it's, uh, I think it was, it was an American report, might have been Dan Raphael. Uh, he said, oh, you're being sued. And this was, you know, it was a big lawsuit. I want to mention names now, it's not really relevant to the example here, but so 4 a.m. I'm like, does anyone have any respect for me? <laughs> so I'm like, oh. And of course, my time on a desert island or tropical island had quickly come to an end within nine hours of reaching the place that it had taken 24 hours to get to. And, you know, those are obviously nice luxuries to have in life, but you don't, you don't know whether you're going to get them or not. I'm, I'm, but I'm making this example to show that you give up, you know, kids' first birthdays, fantastic weekends away with mates, you know, things that, you know, lads' trips, things that people take for granted in everyday life and work very hard for. The difference in boxing, you work very hard. Yeah, and you can make good money out of it as well. But at the same time, your ability to enjoy life is, it's not totally restricted. You just don't know. It's like a little, little sort of ghost that might jump out of the cupboard at any time. You just don't know when. You know, sometimes you go weeks without yeah, everything, plain sailing. Normally, shit scent tends to hit the fan on multiple occasions in a short period and then you're left alone by this boxing host. But yeah, that's what it is. And and I mean, you, you know from covering so many stories over quite a few years now, I mean, it's, it's over, I think it's a decade, over a decade since we've done our first piece, so, you, I mean, you, and people follow it more. That's that's one thing I'd say, especially what you've introduced into it, is that behind the scenes sort of feel. You know, like you said, we're, we're mates. It's a you know, long time, and it, but you feel it's that you brought a level of comfort into it so that you get behind the scenes, but people also can see a little bit more into what actually goes on in the world of, you know, in my case, a boxing promoter which years ago, no one would really understand. They'd just be sort of these dodgy fellas in sunglasses and suits at fights, you know, and they put it on and, you know, that's it. Whereas now at least you can see some of the, the absolute, whether it's a negotiation that's not really happening, you know, or whether it's a pullout or whether it's, a, you know, this, that and the other. You know, boxing is, is a 24-hour business. When was the last time, this is actually quite interesting, actually, curious to know the answer, when was the last time you felt like you were having to fight back tears? Um, I'll give you the last time I cried. Um, was I now live live in London? My son lives in Hamburg. Um, was the f you know I moved to London um, two years ago now. Back to London. I'm from London, but was the first time I, I sort of said bye to him at the airport. Actually, I start choking up when I say it. Uh, but it was it was such a you know that that 
for me, yeah, that that for me was that was yeah, that so there's nothing too spectacular for the outside view. But for me, you know, children like my kids, everything, and it was like a moment. You know, I obviously moved away from from him where he lived and moving to London. Yeah, that was uh, was was tough. Was tough. Um, yeah. Is that you as a person the only? occasion or on those type of occasions that relates to your family or children that would make you that emotional um i'm a soppy bastard when it comes to movies um so no, i do i do like a bit of a cry in a film um, i'll admit uh if it's good you know actually it doesn't have to be that good it can get me to my tears jerking anyways you know um I don't, my final answer in the question. Explain the question. No, just, I just meant that, you know, I was just following on from what you said. You said the last time that you you cried was when saying goodbye to your child, but you, would you count yourself as that kind of emotional person yeah. away from, yeah. like, the, the normal family things that we all get emotional about? No, 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 I'm, I'm hyper-emotional. You know, and and you know, I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm probably the worst poker player in the world because I do jump up and down and shout and scream, and then I'm calm, and then I'm might be crying, and then you know, I'm gonna sound like a raven lunatic, but in different different scenarios, of course, yeah. But but no, no, and I think I think you know, everyone each to their own. But I think it's healthy to to have a have a good cry. I think it's healthy to have a good laugh. Luckily, I do a lot more laughing than crying, but. You know, I think, I think that you know, you talked about mental health before. I think if you can, at least once again, you know, it's so easy when people preach and this and preach that. You know, everyone has to know what's right for them. For me, there's nothing better than a good old laugh. You know, and that can be. By the way, that can be. And anyone who knows me will, will agree with this, or else you're in trouble. Um, is that? I love to laugh about myself and scenarios. I just absolutely piss myself sometimes at some of the things I do. Um, and I can't explain them because I'm a bit mad sometimes, you know. Um, it is what it is, you know. Um, but at the same time, I also, my mum taught me as a kid, a good cry, let it out, it helps. And, and I do believe that. I think, you know, there's nothing wrong with a grown man crying if it's, Someone's other than every every ten minutes, you know. I think you're all right. Um, I think you're you're better off letting everything off your chest and being tearful than bottling something up and you know I don't know plying it with with drink or, or whatever it is your your chosen medicine against it. You know, I think you're much better off letting it out. You know, so yeah, I, I guess I would put myself in that category. I try to be at least. I, I, had Go a on. Tear, I had a tear. I'll tell you what, I just remember now. I did have a tear watching the Queen's funeral. And I, I, I can't say I'm a royalist. I'm, I'm definitely not anti royalist. I think they do, they bring in, people forget how much they bring in. We want to talk about money and these anti royalists and they you know, oh, well, the cost of CC's flying in a private jet. They're the royals. Of course they're going to fly in a private jet, right? I'm going to have the environmentalists after me. But let's look at it as a business, the royal family, and let's look at London, and let's look at the United Kingdom, and let's look at really how much money they bring in. And I'm not talking about the postcards with the Queen on it, or Prince Charles, or King Charles, sorry, on it. But, you know, they bring in, I believe, 
if you looked at it as a business, more than they spent for this country. Um, so I, I felt when I when I when I felt she was was really you know people talk about you know feminism, girl power, and it's always got a different name every year, but she was led by example. I know she was given that that role at a very young age. She was born into obviously, but she didn't. You know, a lot of people are born into something and make nothing of it. She led by example to the last day. So for me, I know there's a lot of people who are anti her, but ultimately I felt when um, when she went, I, 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 felt, I felt a tear. You know? I think I would pay my, my respects and, and put flowers down and I took my daughter. Um, yeah. Do you ever feel like you're having to fight demons in your life? Um, demons in the sense of things that that can overwhelm you, um, that can stop you in life. Um, for sure, myself. You know, um, I'm a character that jumps in. Um, I'm not scared to jump in the deep end. And sometimes the deep end can be quite shallow. Uh, doesn't help um but it's it's a for me as you get older the fight gets easier um i remember starting in in football um my early 20s and it was you know we talk about boxing being a very aggressive workplace um, in terms of competition football probably even worse because we're talking about much bigger pot of money and a lot more people trying to get into it and I remember the when, when we started the we started an agency we worked for a very big agency worked for IMG um, one of the biggest agencies at the time and then we started uh, our own business um, together with my actually my two bosses at IMG at the time and they were they were very creative geniuses, chalk and cheese, the two of them. Um, but we still, you know, we started doing uh, signing up national teams. We signed the Brazilian national team. We opened Wembley Stadium. We did a Brazil versus England as the opening match at Wembley Stadium. Actually, your team in the Emirates. Uh, we opened the Emirates with uh, El Clasico, uh, Brazil Argentina was the first match of the Emirates. So we, you know, we're doing crazy things uh, in football like absolute success the business was flying but I was literally at an end because I would go out party every night I was my office was in Bond Street I was you know mid-20s earning very good money for my age I was on commissions um you know like my mates who had gone off and become traders bankers whatever uh nice but I was earning more and I was in football. So I was, you know, I was out every night partying, would sometimes go straight from the party to the office. Um, work, work, play hard, play harder. Um, it was just craziness. And I remember we did, a, we did, a, we did one match in, a, in Istanbul and I was at the airport and they've gone to me you're going on holiday now. And holiday for me was a word I was scared of, right? It was a word that meant 
I'm going to be away. Someone's going to take what's mine, and that ain't happening. So it's not going to happen. I'm not going to take holiday. I didn't take for the first four, five years I worked there. Yeah, Christmas, yeah, you know, I'd have a Christmas dinner, but that was it. It was, you know, straight straight back into business. It was non-non-stop from the age of 23 to 27, 28. And um, I remember... Yeah, I remember them saying to me at the airport, and it was it was literally I was on a film. They've gone, "Oh, wait, you're not flying home." And we had a jet there. We we're on a private jet from London, and they've gone, "No, we 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 booked you differently." And I've gone, "What do you mean?" He said, "No, we we organised a fantastic holiday for you." Because it was, it was my bosses from IMG is basically my senior partners now at the time, and they've gone, uh, "They've gone, um, we're 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 sending you to Dubai." And this is now, I can tell you exactly when it was. It was 90, yeah, uh, 90, no, no, 2001. So it would have been 24, 24, yeah, 24, 25. And Dubai was very different at this time. You know, it wasn't really my choice. If I would have gone on holiday, it would have been, I don't know, Marbella or something. I wouldn't have gone to Dubai back then. And they've literally, literally shipped me off to Dubai. They've sent my girlfriend... At the time, she's been flown in, so to speak, and uh, they put me in a hotel in somewhere in the desert, Jebel Ali. It was called. That was it. And but it was it was also a sign to me, like you know, this is a bit mad. But I continued. I just continued, continued, continued. And then, um, then um, you know, it, it was coming to a breaking point. Let's put it that way for me, as, a, as a, it was just too much. Um, and around 2006, yeah, it was about 2006, was actually the year of the German World Cup, so I remember exactly 2006, I was 29. Um, I just, I, I hit a wall and, and said, I need out. And um, I'd, uh, I moved to Germany. I met, uh, met my, my girlfriend at the time, later become my, my wife, uh, and... Uh, mother of my 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 son um and yeah i just had to get out and it was it was it was high time it was high time and i realized that work had consumed me you know the party stuff yeah that was all good but it was work it was work that took over and i went from doing that to living in a in a big house outside in the forest and and doing my work from there still worked like a lunatic but Started to realise that it was time to maybe maybe shift the gear down or two. It was great fun, you know. It was, and I look back at those years, you know. I, I like Wolf of Wall Street. I tell you, I'm like the Lion of Wall Street. Um, but no, it was it was good. It was just it was an amazing part of my and it, and it helped me so much because it was basically it was mainly media work in terms of not media work in interviews, but selling media rights. So, sports media rights. And that got me into back into boxing because I started selling the international rights for, for the old man's firm and then just drifted slowly back into the real dark side, which, of course, is boxing. You know? But it was... So, the, the, the demons in me are 
I work, you know, I look at other things to blame, but it's always, I've got to always keep a, make sure I don't, don't fully, if I fully throw myself at work, it's, uh, it's, it's, not, it's, uh, it's, it's not, it's not good consequences on the people around me and, and they mean more to me than work. So I have to balance it out, but you only learn that skill with age, with time, you know, with time. So now I can I can still do I can still put in the hours I can still do you know, uh, I don't know in the next few weeks we got what is it eight shows in four or five countries um, and it's all cool I take it in my stride you know but it was that learning curve in my twenties that was uh, was good fun. Where does your your fight spirit come from, Carla? Um, I think, um, like I said before, out of, out of sort of my earlier youth, of, of you know, I moved I moved countries a few times as well, so I had to readapt as as a sort of ten, eleven year old, um, different schools, parents separating at the same time, and you know, I remember. Um, Coming into, I went to Hendon School, Hendon, Hendon, North London. Um, and I remember, and when we say fight spirit, I understand that it doesn't mean fighting on, you know, <laughs> I get that. But, but I had to quickly sort of fend for myself and also a little bit for my brother. Um, and I don't know, he sort of dug deep at that time. It was a, it was a pretty tough time as a kid. Um, you know, getting used to having parents separated. Uh, my dad, who was was still fantastic in terms of coming back, but he he, he was gone. He was in Africa. He, he came back every second weekend. Never missed a weekend. And my mum did a fantastic, fantastic job raising us in London. But at the same time, you know, can't pay uh, paper over the the cracks on 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 any any separation. It's 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 for for a child at the time. You get you've got to get used to it, you know. And and uh, but it was at the same time of also changing schools, and so it was. I just remember those times were very tough. Now I understand that we want to get to the, the question, and that's the fighting spirit. I do think it comes from that part of my life. I think that grew, obviously, but I think that's where you know you learn you learn your instincts to survive and fight uh, in your early days, or you don't learn them at all. You fight for your family, and you fight for what you believe in. Who fights for you? Who's fighting for Callis Allen? Who's in your your corner, if you like? Who's got your back? We've got about 50 boxers at the moment. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, no, joking aside. Um, no, like uh, rain or shine, who's always there for you? I, well, my brother, um, you know, um, 100%. Um, and the people around me, you know, my partner, my children, um, I do believe in, and that's probably why I take the security in children. I do believe in the unconditional love of children. Uh, so my my kids are my unconditional love, and you know, you know, partners are lovely in life. They're very important, of course, but no one, there's not nothing like the love of, between your child and yourself. That that's that's something that I'm I'm a strong believer in. So they're all a bit young still. Um, but hopefully one day they'll be fending for me. So I've, I've, I've got an invested claim there. Um, but yeah, yeah, my brother, my partner, my, 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 I'd hope my mum and my dad. Um, 
Is that a long enough list? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Just pick one person if you wanted. Um, right, the last one on here. It's very like subjective, so you can answer it exactly how you please. But I find everything so far quite subjective, actually. But okay, it cool. is a lot of it's open ended as well for your own interpretation of how you perceive the, the question. One. I'm disappointed. It's the last one. Kala, what drives that fight within you? Um, so I think that actually, I'm not criticising your questions here, but the last question leads into this question quite nicely, but I have answered part of that in the last question. But the additional layer to this question is the drive is to always... I look now when I when I when I put on events work um, in a, in a bit of a different light than maybe I used to, um, and I don't want to sound like you know I'm 105 and I'm actually 45, but I've been promoting for more than 20 years. I've done unified heavyweight championships around the world, um, put on shows in some of the most spectacular places. It's nothing really that I haven't done in the business without sounding like uh, real corny, cheesy old fellas. But so what I, what drives me now, my passion, is to try and do events where I have a feeling that that's a bit different. You haven't done that before, and you know, Eubank Ben, for example, was very different. Yeah, it was a very different feel to it. It's a very different feel around it. Um, you know, misfits now, you know, with, with KSI. I <laughs> didn't know what rival we're getting on, but I had a fantastic time that fight week, you know. Um, look at the World Boxing Super Series, you know, that'll be back. Um, 100%, yeah, but we've got to stop with COVID, but it, it's a tournament, it's not It's not an event, you know, it's a global tournament, so that, that, that'll be up and running again soon. And... Those sort of things, they're different for me. And I've done the I've done the, the quantity, I've done the 40 shows a year and I've done all that. And, you know, and I understand that to get to certain places, you need to do smaller stuff to get there. Um, so that's fine. But it has to now all make sense to an end goal for me. That's, I think, you know, that's my, pa- my passion is to do events where people say, whoa, that's a... That's a bit, you know, that's a bit different, you know, that's, you know, that, you know, put on, you know, put on events that make you go, right, I'm I'm well up for this. And, you know, if you've done so many years of events, um, you know, at a very high level, at the highest of levels, you know, you get to the point when it does tie you, you I'm mid forties. I feel, you know, like, you know, it is a. Will I ever get out? No, because in boxing you don't get out. You just don't. You know, it's you're in. There's no escape, right? Um, we can all talk about, you know, when we did the Wasserman deal, the amount of people that came up to me and said, "Oh, so you you've put your pension check in now? You're off." Uh, I said, "You must be joking." I said, "This is." This is just taking it to the next level. This is just part of the vision of where we're going to go. Um, we didn't have a, a UK 
team at the time. You know, we've just done two events in the O2 in four space of four or five weeks sold out, you know. Hey, we only launched, you know, 18 months ago. Yeah. So that's the sort of stuff that drives me. Would I like to get out? Absolutely. Would I get out? Absolutely bloody not. You know, it's, it's forget it. You know, I'd have three months out and I'd, I don't know what am I going to do, knit, you know. I can't get out. I'm fooling myself if I get out. I can try and control it more, but it is it is what it is. It's it's boxing. It's it's a drug. You know. It's uh, and you know we can moan and groan, but we can't leave. You know. There's no getting out, mate. Okay. Well, in all these years of interviewing you. Um, I learnt quite a lot today about you. Just little things you probably won't even notice that. Yeah, I've learnt. I've learnt quite a bit from this today. Yeah, and it, it's been good fun. We have to do a second one on the second round. You know, absolutely. It, you know, it was very good questions, Coogan. Um It's not every day that you get asked these questions, and I've done a few podcasts. But this has uh, been an interesting hour and something. Okay, well, Callis Allen, thank you for featuring on Raw the Fight Within podcast. Um, make sure you guys at home like, comment, and subscribe. Oh, <laughs> my God. The light just went out. Make sure you like, comment, and subscribe. We'll see you next week. Sports Social Podcast Network. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM.